everyone. Welcome to our artist podcast. This week we have a real treat for you. Danceberry from The Illusionists is joining us. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your touring schedule to chat with me. Yeah, thanks for asking me to do this. Sounds <laughs> fun. <laughs> Absolutely. You sound very excited about it. <laughs> uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, Let's start out with um, your career in magic. You started out pretty young and kind of immediately started winning awards and performing at these prestigious places and kind of had an explosive career really early on, which is amazing. Can you kind of tell uh, some of our viewers how you got started and some of the most important things you've learned along the way? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I kind of think I got into it in a very Goldilocks zone time of mm -hmm. magic. So I got in when I was young, and, that, and that'll make sense in a moment. Okay. So I got into it, right, when I was, like, uh, when I was young, my grandparents took me to see Copperfield, right? Mm -hmm. DC Money. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I didn't know, like, I'd seen, like, clown magicians, and I know I'd seen a magician at the school, because I remember him doing, like, Vanishing Coke Bottle, right? Mm -hmm. And it was, and it was, but it was like, you know, it was like, don't drink Coke, brush your teeth, sugar's bad or something, you know, eat healthy sure, kids yeah. or something like that. We're all fat or something like that. Um, and uh, something that really made you feel like garbage as a kid. So, like, it, you know, it, uh, I'd seen magic. I knew what it was, but I didn't get it mm -hmm. or something, you know? Like, it was just like, meh, meh, whatever. But then, but I didn't know magic could be big. I didn't know magic could be theatrical. I didn't know that there were magic shows in theaters with lights and fog and, you know, all this cool stuff like that. So my grandparents are like, we're going to go see this magic show. And I'm just like, totally like stoked because I get to stay up past bedtime on a school night, going to Minneapolis, you know, into the city and see something cool. Mm -hmm. So we get there and I don't know who Copperfield is. And, uh, and this is when he would open with the death saw. And, oh, yeah. uh, and so whatever he comes out, does death saw. And, uh, if you don't know what death saw is, why are you even listening to this? But like, <laughs> it's, it's like one of the best magic tricks ever. And, um, and, and like, you know, not the first guy to do song without a box. Um, cause by the way, Chris Angel wasn't either, regardless of what he tried to boast, you know, like that goes back. But mm -hmm. this was like, you know, the, a really great original premise of song without a box. So as a four year old or five year old, just psyched to see a show. I see this happen. I see death saw and I freak out. I think he died. You know, like I'm freaking out creating a ruckus, and we had to go out into the lobby, had to leave theater, and never saw him get put back together. And I never saw the end. I thought, you know, I was like, what just happened? What's going on? It, it, I lose, I lose my, my, my mind, and uh, yeah, we go to McDonald's and get me a Happy Meal and some animal cookies, and, oh, and that was it. That's all I remember. Wow, a kind of a traumatizing That's experience for a four-year-old. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's how I get introduced, but then, um, I, uh, I, I was showing magic tricks and giving magic kits, like the Marshall Brodeen sets, you know, the classic Marshall Brodeen magic kit from the toy store and stuff, uh -huh. to kind of be like, this is, you know, this is fun, this is, it's not real, it's a thing, you know, um, and then, uh, and then that's kind of what sparked my interest, so I had, like, the little kits, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and whatnot. And then, for some reason, and I don't know why, I don't know why I did this, in, like, grade three, I said, I asked for Christmas 
can I, can I have, and I don't even know how I knew this. Like, I didn't know that this existed. I asked, can I have real magic tricks? Um, and I don't even know what that meant. I just, I remember asking that. And my, my, I think my dad or my mom was like, what? You, what? you know, like, yeah. what, you mean, what do you mean you don't want a plastic ball in base for the eighth time? You know, like, what? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I remember I got, like, a coin and bottle. I got, like, a, a, a Frady Cat Rabbit, the light bulb that you could make. Like, oh, my God, the coloring book. Oh, oh the coloring, coloring book. book, yeah. Yeah, the classic one with the red yep. and stuff, the, the red cover. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm getting nostalgic now. That was great. That's All good right, stuff, so, yeah. Yeah, so I had that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then I ended up getting, like, romantic tricks. And then I learned about Abbott's mm -hmm. and... Uh, and I started ordering from Abbott's because this is this is pre-internet. I'm of like one of the last generations that can remember what the world was like before the internet. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, uh, so so I would save up money and, and and like pick things out of the catalog, and that's what I started asking. So it, it, it they became like my new GI Joes, like my new toys, and then I play with these things and then again for no reason I don't know why one day I just decided I'm going to take out an ad in the newspaper to start doing birthday shows wow. um, and I had, no, I had no idea and I remember I had a, a, a piece of notebook paper I remember I called the newspaper I was like 10 and I called the newspaper and I was like I want to take out an ad and this is when like ads were based on words mm -hmm. like how many words or something like that so I'm like re I'm like trying to write in like crappy handwriting like I'm actually like I'm I don't like I'm like looking back on it like what an idiot like I'm gonna like roll into the local paper how was you even gonna get to the newspaper <laughs> I don't know like it's not like I could email this thing because that wasn't around well it was around but the government had it at the time but like email wasn't like a rep. so how was I I didn't I didn't know I didn't care worry about that later you know mm -hmm. I was writing this out in my crappy handwriting like I was literally convinced I'm gonna bring this to the newspaper pay with my, like, you know, my, my allowance, you know, make my bed, doing the dishes, you know, shoveling the driveway money and pay for an ad for the newspaper to run once. Like, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to do magic shows, I guess. Like, this is just what I'm supposed to do, right? So I never, I don't know. And so my dad walks in on this and like, you know, I got my dad you know, catch me trying to watch porn with the satellite. This was way more embarrassing. <laughs> Having my dad walk in on me trying to write and add the newspaper and be like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> way more embarrassing. So like, um, so, so, so he actually helped me write this. Like he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If, if you're going to do this, like, I think like he pitied me or something. Like you're like, he kindly basically just said, you're going to look like an idiot. Like, don't do this. Please don't do this. And, uh, and it was, but it was, it was out of, you know, the parent looking out for me, you know, at first I was like, whatever, no, I'm going to do this. And he was like, no, let me help you. Like this, this isn't right. <clears throat> so, yeah. So then eventually like he helped me kind of write out, uh, you know, how to get, you know, make this thing. And then, uh, I mean, this, it's a long story. So then I eventually met a local guy who's kind of local who would do birthday parties mm -hmm. and, uh, as a clown and he was getting out of the business. So he kind of helped point me in the right direction. Of, he let me tag along to a couple shows to see actually how to do a show. Because at the time, I didn't even know how to do a show. I had a light bulb that lit up. I had, oh, I had Chinese sticks, too. I remember that. I had Chinese sticks. I had a light bulb that could light up in my mouth or something. I had a coloring book and, like, a Freddy Cat Rabbit and a coin and bottle. Like, that was my show. 
I, and and really, like, I was going to roll up for $5 and do this. Oh, my God. I was going to eat a lot. <laughs> but so, like, um, he let me, like, shadow him to these shows to kind of see, like, what it was about. And I remember he had a dye box, and, like, that was my thing. Like, about, like, six to eight months later, when I finally got a dye box, like, I thought I made it. Like, that was my first, like, thing. Where I was like, that's it. I got a dye box. I've made it. Yeah. I've made it. We're doing shows now. Get ready. Back up the semi. We're doing shows. So, like, um, but, yeah, so, like, long story short, he eventually starts passing the shows on to me. Because mm-hmm. he knew, like, this is what I really wanted. Like, I was, I was, I was, I was driven, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but the catch was, he was a clown. So, people are calling him looking for Chuckles. Mm-hmm. Chuckles is, is getting retired. So, <clears throat> I, I had to, to appease, to get my foot in the door, I had to become a clown. And it was the worst thing ever. Because oh. <laughs> I'm not a clown. I don't know how to dress like a clown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a clown outfit. I didn't have a clown name. Mm-hmm. You think I didn't even really have a clown voice? I think is the word. I didn't have a clown sure, voice. Sure. Yeah, like I just, I was, uh, yeah, I was just, I was just a kid. I was like eleven or twelve, and I kind of developed and saved. Like this isn't all. Like this isn't a matter of weeks. This happened over a matter of months to a year. You know, mm-hmm. I really like, you know, researched and and really put this together. And, uh, yeah, so, like, put together this terrible clown outfit from, like, mishmash old clothes and whatever, and uh, I bought a, a clown bald cap my dad had from a costume nice. party that he did. That was, like, up in the closet, but it was plastic, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and it had a nose attached to it, but the nose had broken off. So instead of painting a nose on me, like, the obvious thing, mm-hmm. I stapled the clown nose back on to this cap. So I rolled up to these birthday parties with this nose stapled across the bridge of the clown's face, basically. No. Like his <laughs> nose was like Michael Jackson stapled on. And uh, <laughs> the hair, it was like bald cap style, but it had hair. But it was like really crappy, moppy hair. And I've got, my, my hair is naturally brown. There's a fun fact. But my hair is naturally brown. So you could see, and my hair was longer too. So you could see like my longer brown hair underneath this gross, raggedy hand, like nappy, like totally <laughs> dollar store cheap product. And, and stuff. And, and the bridge of the nose was stapled. And I didn't know anything about clown makeup or setting makeup. Like we went to like a, a crappy like party store. And bought like you know the like the, the terrible makeup kit. Mm-hmm. I'm just smearing the stuff on, you know, kind of thinking what I think a clown looks like. So it's like all smear and smudge, and I just look like, uh, like I look like a prostitute, probably is what I look like. <laughs> and so like I'm like doing this show, and and whatever. But 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 it, but it, it ended up working. Luckily, I didn't have to be a clown for very long. And then. Uh, yeah, I made my own business cards by like cutting out the <laughs> cutting out the, uh, the the little graphics out of the Abbott's catalog and photocopying them and like it was like this whole like Ferris Bueller like making false documents sort of thing that's and awesome. and it was real like ghetto. But I, I that's how I that's how I started. And and I just started doing shows and it was always just about I just wanted to do shows and and I got in and that's how I got into it. That's what I like doing was just like the chase and the drive of of the show, you know, of wanting to do shows and develop and change it up and, and acquire material. Like it was, it was a challenge, but it was it was rewarding whether I failed or I didn't, you know. And uh, and uh, and yeah, 
and that's just kind of, and then that's just been kind of the, I guess the same sort of thing that's still to this day, just wanting to acquire material, even if it's something that I, I'll never do on stage. I just want to learn and I want to, I just want to have material, you know, mm-hmm. that, that I want to work on. So I think, long story short, I can get, if, if any of this brings up other questions, but if, you know, let me know and I'll, and I'll, and I'll go in further detail, but the, the end result, I guess, to answer the second part of your question is what's the most important thing I've learned is that it's, it's, it's got to be entertaining and it's never about me. It's about the gift of giving the audience this adventure and experience that's, uh, that's, that's what, that's what I've always kind of gone for. And it's, and it's, and it's never steered me wrong so far, I think. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, so, for everyone here, we've been talking about The Illusionists for a long time. It's, it's a huge show. It's got massive amounts of success, and it's absolutely fantastic. The reviews have been amazing. Can you tell um, our viewers, or our listeners, I guess, a little bit about The Illusionists and what it's like to be on Broadway? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, The Illusionists was really, like, a really great accident, um, like, because... Uh, because it was just supposed to be like this one-off thing for the Sydney Opera House, right? Um, and uh, and that's what it was. And and we like we kind of like came together when we were putting it together, and just thought like, man, if it goes over good, God, hopefully they'll bring it back next year. You know, mm-hmm. kind of one of those things. Because there's always been like these ensemble shows, right? Yeah. So, um, so the cool thing about it was just to like throw back. So I had worked in the World's Greatest Magic Show in Vegas with so, like mm-hmm. Kevin James and Jeff Hobson. And some of these guys, and then and then when they either left the show and then eventually the show closed, and we went on to do all these other things, um, you know, we we, we kind of you, you know it was almost like a, 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 a school reunion, whatever those are, because I've never been to one, but like <laughs> it's what I imagine it. But sure. like, uh, but like when when Ocean's Eleven got assembled, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. the guys were all like, "Oh wait, you're here? Oh, you're gonna be here? Oh, oh, you? You know, like that kind of so like." Um, so that's how it was. So, like, I had done, um, this is a funny story, actually. So I was doing my own tour, and uh, my buddy Rudy Kobe mm-hmm. came with as my guest act. And, like, I had to, like, tear something down. But Rudy went out to the merch booth after the show. And I was backstage, and uh, it, was in, it was in Des Moines, Iowa. And, and I didn't know what was, I, this will all make sense later. But um, this dude rolls up and buys a copy of the DVD that I was selling of my show at the time. Mm-hmm. And Rudy was there, and the dude had, like, a ball cap on and, like, sunglasses, like, looked like, like, this weekend at Bernie's, like, kind of guy. And Rudy, for whatever reason, like, he would just say stupid stuff to mm-hmm. people all the time. Because it's Rudy. But, like, he he said, you know, make sure you got the Dan Sperry copy, not the one where he puts all of Brett Daniels' old magic tricks on, or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. And it just so happened that that was Brett Daniels trying to be in disguise, buying the DVD of the show. Um, oh my gosh! Because later, yeah, because later Brett texted me after the show. How he got my number, I don't know. But like, uh, he texted me and was like, "Just saw the show, and by the way, I got the copy of the DVD that actually has your material on it." And I was like, "Ah, I don't get it, but whatever, comedy fun." <laughs> and so like, um, so then Rudy tells me the story. I'm like, "Oh, that's weird." And then I didn't hear anything from Brett for like months. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then it comes to be, I get. I get another call from Brett, and he's like, well, I'm putting this show together, and I brought the DVD to the, the producing company, the backers and stuff, and, and, and they're interested in making part of it, and this is what it's going to be called, The Illusionist. 
and we're going to the Sydney Opera House and this, that, and the other. Right? And so, so that was really, that was really cool. Like how it all kind of came together. It was very like, it, I remember Conan O'Brien saying something about, you don't really know where you've been until you have, until you look back and you put the pieces together. It doesn't ever feel like you're going anywhere, mm-hmm. you know? And, and most of the time it almost feels like you're treading water. You don't necessarily feel you're climbing the ladders until you look back right, and then yeah. can see how. So it was like one of those things where I look back and went, Oh, that's, really weird the stars all align you know sometimes and it all works out so um so yeah so then you know i get i'm on the phone with brett and 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 it, over the course of that time i had i moved to new york city and i was doing my broadway show there mm-hmm. and he brett was coming to the to the show because the, the number one criteria was and and hopefully this doesn't offend some people but hopefully it offends the people it's supposed to offend because they need to hear it it they 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 were scouting, but they needed people who can deliver live performances. Mm-hmm. And you can scout and watch as many YouTube videos as you want of these guys who've got views and hits and likes and shares and whatever. But it's one thing to do it through a computer screen. It's another thing to be able to deliver to a live audience. And they were, and the best thing that, that was coming of the show at that time was that was that was the number one criteria is there's a lot of great stuff on the internet, mm-hmm. but it can't deliver live. And, mm-hmm. and they were struggling with that because it, um, it, it, was, it was because they were, they were asking me like, who are some people that you would recommend? Cause we've been watching this guy and that guy, we found this guy and this guy and the other guy. And they were like, but they don't do shows. They, they can't, you know, they don't have 10 minutes. They don't have five minutes. They've got a bunch of tricks that are cool for the camera or whatever, but we can't. And I was like, well, there really isn't anybody. And it's, you know, they wanted to go for like a younger look and stuff, but it's just, and, and getting again back to when I said the Goldilocks zone, it's like that 90s world's greatest magic, Copperfield specialist, mm-hmm. Lance Burton. Yep. They were inspiring workers and performing mm-hmm. workers. And like the guys that I grew up with and, you know, a little bit older and even younger to a degree than I am now, we, we, we grew up working. And and it doesn't mean you have to go out and make your living at it, but you got to build as an entertainer for the audience, not for vanity. And they were running into so many people that either purposefully or inadvertently are producing for vanity, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the struggle with the show and continues to be a struggle for the show to this day because they still sometimes have brought people in to give them a test run and it just doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work for for for, for a live audience. Mm-hmm. So putting the show together, it was it was, it was a lot of sitting in a hotel room at the Venetian in, in Brett's hotel room. Me, Kevin, James, Hobson at the time, James the Mayor was in it for a hot second, and and Brett and we just sat down and it was like uh, it's what I imagine like a sitcom writing room is. Sure, you just sit yeah. down and you go, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? All right, well I could do this. I could do this. Pull up the video. Here's the video. Okay, that could work. You know, boom, boom, how can we intertwine this? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some dude with a bump and grind soundtrack in his Prius, of all things, pulling <laughs> up right next to me. Gross. Prius is the and best so, drive like, by yeah. car. It's very, very silent. So, <laughs> What's that? You, you drive a Prius? No, I said it's the best drive-by car because it's completely silent. So you just, oh, like, right, yeah, yeah, like in the office. Like if you go below five miles an hour, they can't hear you. Exactly. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that was, that was probably... You know, you mentioned Broadway. Uh-huh. I'm not a theater guy. A show is a show uh-huh. for me. You know, which is which is one of the things 
a lot of stuff's got me in trouble too, which is, but one of the things that got me in trouble the most is every interview, it, it always bring up Broadway. And, and I feel like you gotta be humble. Like, yeah, Broadway's great. Big deal. Whatever. But it's, these are still people. Yeah. These are still people that are coming to see a magic show. And you can't lose sight of that. Like, you can't, you can't flip it around and be like, oh my God, I never thought I'd be on Broadway and I'm doing this on I and me and I and me. It's not that. It, whether it's Broadway or a birthday party, you still gotta you still gotta go and deliver. It, it's your it's it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So Broadway, I don't know. Cool, going back, yay. But I still it's still you just no matter what, gotta do a good show. And that's the best memory was still that first before the show even existed, writing it, putting it together, and and sitting in a hotel room with these guys that I remember watching on TV or seeing at conventions. You know, back when I was a kid. And and being like, oh my god, I'm I'm in the room with these guys, and you know, they're talking about this, that, and the other, and these ideas, and 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 my my material, which is not even how, how it can hold a candle to the length of years and legs and you know road you know damage that their stuff has, mm-hmm. but but I get to be a part of this, and that's that was that was probably you know the the best uh, the best part of the illusionist and the memories uh, working on it, but. To further, you know, go on to that. The other good thing about it was that they they wanted to try a lot of different things. You know, giving not necessarily giving names to to the performers on you know on a on, on a legitimate name basis because let's again let's be real, not to sound like a negative Nelly, but you know you see a lot of these you know other sort of ensemble toury type magic shows and starring you know starring John Smith and multi-award winning, you know, so-and-so and Bob Carlson and whatever. And who are they? Who? You know, nobody knows. So they, they attached titles that created almost an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So they created, you know, the gentleman, the manipulator, the close-up man, whatever, you know. Um, and, and so that, I thought that was really smart. They were really smart about it in a lot of ways, you know. And wanting to incorporate like a live band and a DJ to to sort of be like, you know, like in the old days when when there was a vaudeville and a nightclub circuit where you did play with a live band when you when you would hear about and read about guys like Norm Nielsen and Johnny Thompson back in the day and mm-hmm. all these guys who would work that circuit and they had bands that would play with them, you know. Yeah. And now we're doing that again, but in a modern way, you know, is what they were, you know, saying and and wanting to have you know, utilizing, you know, granted, cameras and projection screens and stuff, that's not new to the game, but doing it in a different, a different way as possible. And these, these ideas were really exciting and, uh, and, and whatnot. And the other good thing was the, the original main producer did not come from magic. He, he didn't really come from a magic background. He just had, he had worked with Brett in the past. That was about the extent of his knowledge. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get, caught up in the political stuff that can happen in those situations as well, which was, which was refreshing to work with. So, uh, so yeah. And then we did, we did Sydney and it, and it went, it went crazy. And then it did really snowball ever since. And, uh, and yeah, and here we are now I'm in Durham, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It seems like it's a really intelligently designed show and it seems like it's designed for the long haul, which is, which is great. It's an amazing show and I hope it continues for as long as possible. So all all the people can go and see, all our viewers can go and and see you perform. Um, so I mean, we, uh, we get a lot of people 
mm-hmm. saying, I mean, because the the last big touring show was was, was Copperfield, you know, mm-hmm. and there's there was a void um, in that market for to, to that, you know, to the development of a show that that can fill that, and uh, and it's it's been the response has been really really good to to, to sort of see and run into me how many people actually are fans of magic mm-hmm. and that they whether they knew it or not that they that they did like it and they missed it not missed it as in like missed the boat but they missed seeing live magic like this you know yeah. because as we all know it had it did go through the you know the 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 the, the, the close-up street magic phase which it still is going through to a degree although i feel it's transitioned into something different mm-hmm. uh which is another conversation but um, it, I think it's coming full circle, you know, and, and now, you know, like, uh, just the, the stage magic, I think this is going to be the second coming of, of stage magic and maybe the second coming of illusions being a, a thing again, you know, and not so much, uh, you know, double stick tape and a double face card anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, I completely agree. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, definitely not. But no, I, I agree. When I grew up, it was the, the tail end of the stage magic performances. And then there was a, a good chunk of time where it was just YouTube and just on TV. And now we're seeing a lot of these awesome touring shows like The Illusionist that are coming back and bringing magic not only to the mainstream, but really good new magic in a modern way for a modern world, which is fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. you have a very dialed in, solid persona that you have kind of really cornerstoned your market in a brilliant way. So what are some like tips and advice you might have for magicians out there that, like you, are creating a very particular, really strong brand? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, man. It's kind of a, kind of a loaded question. I get it. <laughs> I, uh, I think that's kind of a tough question to ask because almost, I almost feel like it's a... It's, a, it, it, it's all relative to the individual, sure, but sure. I, I think like first and foremost, you just have to be real. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be real. You can't fake it. You can't try and be something you're not. You know, this is I, I, I'm I'm really blessed to be able to pull this off. You know, being you know pushing thirty and still be able to get away with looking like this. First of all, and like second of all, like it. It, so I, not to throw back again, but like, so well, I grew up in Minnesota, pretty, you know, libertarian, Republican, conservative place, which is fine. I'm libertarian, but like it, it, uh, it, it, it did not allow me to be who I was off stage on stage. Mm-hmm. I had to sort of sell out, which is, which, which was fine with me at the time as well. Cause I knew I couldn't be 16 rolling up to a birthday or a Cub Scout show you know, making 200, 300 bucks and, and, and looking like, you know, a misfit, you know, it doesn't work that way. And so, um, it wasn't until I was able to back it up, was I able to start to let it sneak in, you know? So as far as whatever you niche market, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that's how it is for every market. A niche market might be like, like, like Simon Pirro has a great niche with the technology thing with the iPads and stuff. Um, Trin Watson does a little bit of the same thing, some really great stuff with technology things, and he's got his own sort of uniqueness to him and, uh, as an example, and that's, whatever your niche is that you're going to go for, it has to be you, because you have to be able to do it with authority and knowledge, you know, and not just educated knowledge for the sake of 
just randomly picking, thinking, I think that could be something. I could be that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're saying that, you know, um, then, 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 then you've already lost. I think it was Joey Ramone who said, no, it was Johnny. Johnny Ramone said, we, you know, we're not acting punk rock because we're like, we're not acting like punk rock because then you're acting. So don't act like, don't say, I'm going to act like this guy. Or I'm going to, I want to act, I want to act like the guy who does the, the thing with Heinz ketchup. I'm going to be the Heinz ketchup guy. Mm-hmm. Or what, you know, like then, cause then you're acting yeah. and, and then it's not you, mm-hmm. but you just got to be you. And if you're into baseball or if you're into, I don't know, UFC or something, these are all really obscure references, but whatever it is, yeah. if that's a part of you, and if that's a market you could go after, there was, there was a guy, um, Jason, he passed away, but he was really cool. He was like one of the underground close-up guys in Vegas. Jason, uh, I don't remember right now, but it'll come back to me. One of the underground close-up guys in Vegas who, who was still around when I got to town, and uh, he was a friend of Paul V. Hills and stuff, but he was always the guy that when the big bands would come through town, he was, you know, he was just into that sort of hardcore metal type scene. So, like, mm-hmm. he was doing the VIP hospitality suites for, like, Corn or, or, I don't know, Pantera or whatever, you know. Um, and, but that's just, that's who he was. I mean, he was the original V-neck t-shirt and jeans guy. He was doing that before that's a thing now, you know, because, mm-hmm. God, enough with the V-neck guys, if you're listening, enough <laughs> with the, enough. The old Navy doesn't it's not sponsoring any magic tricks. Relax. <laughs> but, like, so, you know, he was that original guy, and he, he just did it well because that was his scene. You know, just roll with your scene. Or, but you also got to, you know, you got to be able to evolve with it. And there was a guy named Ashley Springer who, who was around back in the day, who, who won all these awards, had a really, you know, great manipulation act for a kid, and it was all revolved around a gumball machine, and he would do coin manipulation and ball manipulation and gumballs. Really well put together. Like, Tony Spina helped him. Like, it was, like, the ultimate, like, you know, act mm-hmm. in that sense. But, you know, what happens when he's 25? Really? You're you're 25 and you can't find a quarter in your pocket to buy a gumball? What are you even buying gumballs for? You know right. what, you know what I mean? So you got to be thinking, like, two steps ahead, you know, in that sense. You know, I think Copperfield's just a really good, you know, not just because he's the best in the world, but just, I mean, that's a guy who, who's been able to reinvent himself and age you know, he's like Clooney of the Clooney of, of, of illusions, you know, really, magic in general. Like, yeah, he, that's great. That's a good uh, he was just, reference. Yeah. He's just able to evolve, you know, yeah. and, and, and grow with that. You know, Absolutely. Clooney can't be Batman right now. You know, but, geez, Ben Affleck shouldn't even be Batman. But like, <laughs> you know, but Clooney was, could be Bruce Wayne and Batman at a time. Uh-huh. Copperfield was Bruce Wayne at a time, you know, and now he's more like the... He's not Alfred yet. No, he's not Alfred yet. He's, he's like not, the most that's, interesting that's man Johnny in the world. Thompson, I think, getting back to Johnny Thompson. That's awesome. But, like, you know, yeah. um, but whatever. You know, like, you just yeah. got to be able to just be real and be genuine. Because also, audiences aren't dumb. It, you know, it's, it, it, like Vernon said, I think, like, it's not, it's not, even if they don't know how it's done, if they know when something happened, mm-hmm. you're, you're done. And if, if, if they don't know that, you know, maybe they don't know that you're being fake, but if they get a sense that this is, yeah, you know, too scripted, too perfect, too artificial, you know, um, they're going to catch on to you. And it, and whether they're consciously aware of it or not, I believe they're going to smell it. You know, yeah, uh, they're going to smell something, and uh, and that's you know, that's that's probably what you know what I 
would say. Nice. I don't that's even know if that answer. answered the question. No, it absolutely does. I think that's that's really good advice, especially for people that are really trying to find their persona and don't necessarily know where to begin. And they're looking to either, you know, there's some people are copying other people that are already in existence and they kind of haven't found their own way. So I think it's really important yeah. advice to hear from people that it's a really good idea to kind of go inside yourself and figure out what works for you. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and Rudy, you know, I bring up Rudy again. He, in his original election notes, he had a great moment in there where he said, you know, for the same, you know, he, you know, he's, he's got his own thing, and that's a, that's a timeless, you know, the lab man thing is a timeless thing. It's, it's eighties, but it's fifties, but it's retro, but it's whatever, you know, yeah. but it's futuristic and all this stuff. But like he said in his notes at one time, in in one of the paragraphs, he said like all what you need to do is learn how to do like linking rings, learn how to do this classic stuff and don't try and do it like anybody else. Just be you doing it and you'll find your way. You know, you'll right. find your voice. You'll find it, it. You'll find it. It'll find you. You'll meet in the middle or something like that. You know, and that's, that's before I read that, you know, that's kind of what I've always been doing, you know, getting back to even just, just doing shows, wanting to try material, acquire material, probably 70%, 75% of the stuff that I do in my show, even when I'm doing the illusionist, it's stuff that is off the shelf, you know, off the shelf. I saw it and I went, I could maybe do something with this. I'm not a, I'm not a, a creator in, in, in all honesty. I don't create, I, I adapt. And so I, I, these are, you know, things that I bought and they've started out terrible and, and very, very dry and they don't have their stride yet. But then after, you know, after working it and doing tons of shows and getting legs with it, they start to find their way. You find your voice, you find moments that happen spontaneously and you remember it and you can work it in and try and steer the audience to recreate that moment every show and, and and that's 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 probably the best advice too. I could I could say to coincide with that question, but you know, trying to find a way just just learn solid you know uh, basics and and a, and, a, and a building structure, and 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 go from there. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and you'll figure it out. You know, you're, the the real you will come out in doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. So kind of in a similar vein. Um, what are some of the best like resource materials, like books or DVDs or videos or lecture notes that you've kind of gone back to over the years that have really helped you or inspired you or have really stuck with you um, in your experience that's been the most valuable? Um, yeah. Man, first of all, the Fitzky Trilogy, man. That's been like, that's my, uh, that's been my gospel pretty much since I was a kid. Uh, I was like in, I remember I was in, uh, like grade ten or something. So I was like fifteen, whatever, and uh, and I got the Fitzky trilogy, and it was a really tough read because I was just like, "There's, where's the tricks at? It's like, where's the <laughs> yeah. pictures? There's no pictures in here, mm-hmm. you know." So like, um, but I but I forced myself to read it, and then I went back and read it again, and it was like the second second time it all started to click. Everything in the Fitzky trilogy is is is, is really great, and it's still valid to this day. I see a lot of arguments on like Facebook and. Forms like oh that was written back in the whatever like oh no it, the, you can still take those those uh, you know those things and and apply them today the, the the showmanship for magicians book is is it, that was the one that stuck out to me the most mm-hmm. um, you know because uh, just one of the things they say is you know make them want you you know anybody can get you know a magician that could do a sub trunk or an origami or an ambitious card whatever but make them want you 
mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to, to want to hire you. You make them want to see you doing it uh, because there's only one you. And, and, and so that kind of, I think, crosses over. So 50 trilogy, um, Todd Bell, it sounds silly, but Todd Bell, uh, the books, not the videos. Get the books so you can you can highlight, so you can scribble, so you can cut things out. You can bookmark it. You know, yeah. you can leave it open on your on your desk and your workstation and go back to it and stuff like that. Um, every and the whole Tardell course, everything's in there, man, to get a good foundation. Um, and uh, Five Points in Magic by Juan Tomarez, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. um, there's um, Ascanio. There's a bunch of Ascanio books. There's uh, the one, I can't remember what it's called right now because I haven't been able to look at it in a while because it got all chewed up. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, I think it's the one with like a tan, they're, they're colored differently. I think it's got a tan one. But it, it, again, it's about performance and, and, and uh, more theory-based stuff. Um, dang it, I don't remember what that one's called. But there, there's, there were these slew of Escanio books that came out of it. The one... The one's really good. The, I think it's got a tan bind label cool. thing or something. Awesome. No, this is, that's great. It's a lot of reference material for our listeners to kind of go and look up. If you haven't read them already, go and check those out. That's awesome. So to kind of uh, wrap yeah. it up here, uh, 2016 looks packed for you with illusionist tours and shows and all sorts of stuff. What else do you have going on? What's what's new? What's on the horizon? And what does 2016 look like for Dan Sperry? Um... I don't know. We filmed an NBC TV special uh, awesome. that it should be coming out, um, and it's uh, it's the same director photography that did Birdman. Oh, so cool. it's going to be pretty gnarly. I mean, we, I, we've seen some we've seen some of the, the edited footage so far, and uh, it's pretty rad. I think it's going to be again getting back to like the second coming of stage magic. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to it's. It's going to introduce magic again in 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 a new way that's uh, that's that's cool, you know. That's awesome. Um, yeah. it's, it's shot really cool cinematic style. Um, I don't know. I got my coffee company, so if you guys like coffee, Zombie yeah. Java, you can go, go ship that out. Your, that's your all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get on my website, or if you don't want to look at that, just zombie-java.com. That's um, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's about it. No, I meant uh, anybody in Germany watching. I'll be back in Germany again this year quite a bit. Oh, that's nice. all I know. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's yeah. really, that's very exciting. It sounds like a very jam-packed year. I hope the coffee kicks in and helps you out. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, everyone, you can grab tickets to The Illusionist and coffee on Dan's website. Definitely go check out that show. You don't want to miss it. It's spectacular. You can also follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Sperry. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. This was really interesting, and thank you so much for your insights. They were fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for asking me to be on it. Hope, hope everybody likes it.